It's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you are listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family. And we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to playoff edition of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Yes, we are into the last week of college football before the bowl season kicks off. We have conference championship games. We have speculation about who's going to wind up in the top four. A lot of discussion. But right now, the biggest discussions are taking place among the coaching changes and hires that we've already seen this week. And my co-host, Darren Shavers, is always up to date on the latest. So, Darren, what is going on with all the coaching carousel news? As always, it's very active. And it always starts well before the end of the season. Matter of fact, the last couple of seasons, it started two or three weeks into the season. But as we stand right now, the schools that even if there's been some movement, and we'll talk about those in just a minute, but even if there's been some movement, the schools that have vacancies to fill are UNLV, Western Michigan, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, which we'll come back to in just a little bit, Tulsa, Texas State, Stanford, FAU, Nebraska, Charlotte, USF, Auburn, Colorado, and Georgia Tech. Now, the moves where dominoes have started to fall and and even additional dominoes have started to fall very quickly are Luke Fickle, who has been at Cincinnati for a long time, has made the decision that Wisconsin is the next right step for him, and he has created that vacancy at Cincinnati and is now the head coach at Wisconsin. Hugh Freeze, as of our most recent information, they're working on a deal, should be done pretty soon. He is going to be most likely be the head coach at Auburn. And Willie Fritz, even though some erroneous reports apparently came out on Sunday saying that a deal was in place and he was going to be the next coach at Georgia Tech, that has been corrected. There is not a deal in place. He has not agreed to terms with Georgia Tech but he is their number one target and conversations are taking place. And also, Matt Rule is the head coach at Nebraska and news came out Monday that Marcus Satterfield, who is the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, has announced that he is leaving South Carolina to go be the offensive coordinator with Matt Rule at Nebraska. When the Matt Rule news broke about him being fired from the Panthers, we talked about on the show, it's not a matter of if, but who. And so that domino fell pretty quickly. He is the new head coach at Nebraska, and his secondary dominoes have already started to fall because he was able to get a head start, not coming from another college job, and he is bringing Marcus Satterfield on board with him from South Carolina. Now, a couple other just real interesting pieces regarding the Stanford job. One of the very first names that had come up is Chris Peterson, who has been the coach at Washington for a while and before that was the coach at Boise State, and another name that it, it had to come up. There was no way it couldn't come up, but it will blow my mind on many many, many different levels if it happens. The name Derek Mason is already being mentioned. 
as part of the Stanford uh, job. And, and it makes mm-hmm. sense because he's got head coaching experience, as bad as that was. And he comes from Stanford. He was the D coordinator Stanford when he took the Vanderbilt job. So you're talking about things that would blow your mind. That would absolutely blow my mind. But his name has been mentioned. And then another really interesting thing, the Colorado job has gotten a, quite a few headlines over the last couple of days because Deion Sanders has made it known that he has been offered the job. Now, he did say in... I guess what you could say, primetime fashion. He didn't just say, I've been offered the Colorado job. He wanted everyone to know that he's been offered several jobs because primetime is primetime. He can market better than anybody in the game. So it's not just a job that he's been offered. Colorado is one of several jobs, in his words, that he's been offered. But there's also a lot of reports coming out that Ryan Waters, who is the D coordinator at Illinois and is a Colorado alumni, is in heavy consideration for the Colorado job. So that's just a quick 40-yard dash right through all the names with some pretty interesting things and pieces already starting to fall. It's going to be a very active carousel this offseason. Yeah, I think the Ryan Waters to Colorado would be a better move for them. Dion brings the the name recognition, but a person like Dion Sanders, he knows what he wants. He yep. probably in his mind knows there's probably a handful of schools that he would go to, and he knows what those schools are. Yep. And I think if he wanted to go to Colorado, instead of telling people, yeah, they offered me the job, he would have been announcing, I'm going to Colorado. Absolutely. That's exactly what would go down. He wouldn't just be a, an oh, by the way, in a par- part of a conversation. Yeah, the, the Matt Ruled in Nebraska hiring, I, I think that's a good one. Uh, the Luke yep. Fickle to Wisconsin, I think Luke Fickle was as loyal as he could be. I think he hit the ceiling at yep. Cincinnati. You know, he took him to a playoff, which is incredible, but I think he saw the writing on the wall. That's a good hire for Wisconsin, but, yep. but Darren, I'm a little intrigued that I thought Jim Leonard, that was going to be his job. Yeah. And so now where does Jim Leonard go? And I think it's also interesting that Wisconsin is the job that pulled Luke Fickle away from Cincinnati. You know, of all the different rumors throughout the last couple of years, especially. And this is not in any way to downplay or or throw any kind of, uh, of shade or slight toward Wisconsin. But of all the rumors that you've heard over the last couple of years about where Luke Fickle's name popped up, Wisconsin is a very interesting choice. And I did actually read, it was Dennis Dodd on on CBS Sports that said, this is the power five job that immediately when you look at it, you think, okay, Luke Fickle can still do things his way and find success if he goes to Wisconsin. So I find that pretty interesting. I, I think both of those are very interesting aspects of this job and, and how it all kind of played out for sure. And, and I think the Big Ten fits Luke Fickle. Yeah. Um, he, he's a product of the Big Ten. So a, a good move for Wisconsin. Yep. So we have this Saturday, December 3rd, conference championship games. We have a few on Friday night, but we don't talk about those because at least here in Louisiana, the state high school football playoffs are still going on. And we think Friday nights belong to high school football. College Friday night football is dead to me. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Darren has has drunk the Kool-Aid. Welcome aboard, my friend. Welcome aboard. It's good to be here. Good to be here. So we'll have a selection Sunday, December 4th. Not quite as exciting as the NCAA men's basketball selection Sunday. <laughs> no. I think we're going to know before. Yep. December 5th starts what you're terming unrestricted free agency. Yes. 
December 5th is officially when the transfer portal opens. It's already happening. You know, I think A&M is already up to four or five players that have announced that they're going to enter the portal. So you're going to see it all over social media. It's going to be nonstop. But officially, no one can enter the portal until December 5th. And it's open for two weeks. And it'll close it again and it'll open up, I think, at the end of the spring practice window is the next time that the portal is open. So basically, everybody comes in, gets their spring practice under their belt. They can already see in spring practice hey, I'm going to be the fourth or fifth guy in this room, whatever that position is. They can, again, make the decision to move on. But as we've talked about, something's got to be done. They've at least shortened the portal window. At least it's not a 365-day free-for-all. But at the same time, this is literally just unrestricted free agency twice a year. Anybody and everybody that wants to for no reason other than I just don't like where I am can transfer. And even though Mm -hmm. we've talked about the fact when you have 16, 17, 18-year-old kids that are recruited by grown men, and then they get on campus and and that guy heads off to the next job, that that's not fair and something needed to be done. I still don't think this is the answer. Unrestricted free agency where anything goes anytime isn't even the rule of law in professional sports. Why in the world would it be in college football, college football, basketball, baseball, any of them. So this doesn't make any more sense than the other way it was. It was at least an attempt to fix it, but hopefully they'll they'll continue to figure it out and make some more changes. But as of right now, the free-for-all begins December 5th. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's going to be crazy. Yep. Uh, I think you I hit think it on so. the head. Great, great analysis. Let's go ahead and make our picks as of right now, the four playoff teams. Now, they'll be announced tonight officially, but who are your four, Darren? I don't have a a whole lot of changes other than the obvious. We've said every single week we've talked about this, the the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game is eliminated from the top four, in our opinion. So I definitely followed through with that. So I have Georgia number one, Michigan jumped to number two, and I think TCU is number three. Those three. Three undefeated teams are the top three positions, and deservedly so. Where I really struggled was with the fourth position, with the number four team, because you've got a couple of one-loss teams, and then you've got some two-loss teams. So my dividing line was, depends on the conference. And I am convinced, and this is in every way geographical bias, and I know and understand that, I am convinced that a two-loss SEC team is a stronger addition to the the 14 playoff than a one loss team from any other conference. So then, honestly, I had to struggle between Tennessee and Alabama because your first thought is, okay, so Alabama goes in. But if we were deciding who was going to the SEC championship, you would look at head-to-head as a tiebreaker, and Tennessee won that head-to-head, and they should go in, in my opinion, before Alabama. Now, the immediate problem is, you don't have Hendon Hooker anymore. So that's going to affect how they perform. But barring all of that, when you look at their win-loss record being in the SEC, the way they've played this year and their resume, I think Tennessee is the number four team. So I have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and then number four, Tennessee. How about you? What's your top four? I agree with you on the top three. I've got Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three. My fourth, I'm going to go with USC. They still have the Pac-12 championship game to be played. So there's a possibility if Utah knocks them out, then they're 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 out. But mm-hmm. but right now they seem to uh, be playing well, have a lot of momentum. They have a you know Caleb Williams is is playing incredible, which we knew he would absolutely. And um, so I, I got them right now at my number four. Is it because they are that one lost team in that position? Is that kind of your your thought process there? 
Yeah, they lost one game at Utah. It was a close game. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens when Utah gets another crack at them. You know, everyone's saying, oh, USC is just going to run all over him. If they mm-hmm. come out and they run all over Utah, I think that's pretty convincing. Yeah, I agree. And especially yeah. knowing that they've already played Utah once. And, you know, in college football, one of the hardest things in the world to do is to beat a team two times in the same season. So if they do that, and especially if they do that convincingly, I think that really makes a very strong case for them. I, I agree completely with that. Yeah. 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 I was hoping for a USC Oregon matchup, but that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen at all. <laughs> So let's look back at this past weekend and the takeaways that we have. And I'm going to give a moment just to put that out there for our listeners. What stuck out to you this past week? What were the takeaways that you got from this past weekend? Because we'd love to hear from you on our social media, on our text line. Uh, Darren, what's your first takeaway from the past weekend? We've talked about it before, and, and specifically, you brought it up one time as one of your takeaways. But but I, after watching some of the games this weekend, I had to bring back up SEC officiating. The call in the Ole Miss game uh, with the inadvertent whistle and the call mm. in the Auburn game or Alabama-Auburn game with the Auburn, what they called a muffed punt, were such mind-blowing calls to me. I mean, those aren't just missed calls. Those are off-the-tracks missed calls. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Ole Miss game, when the ball was blown dead by an inadvertent whistle, to go back after you have called it an inadvertent whistle and review the play and then give the ball to Mississippi State because a Mississippi State player, and I use air quotes, recovered the ball. He didn't recover the ball. He just happened to be the one that walked over and picked it up. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a football play to recover the ball. He just walked over and picked it up. And I think Lane Kiffin made a great point. He said, you constantly coach your players, stop at the whistle, stop at the whistle. And every one of my guys did exactly what we've coached them to do, because that's what we're told by the SEC office to do. And now... I have to go back and tell them, but in this situation, you stopped at the whistle and you were penalized. That doesn't make any sense. That's the reason there is conversation about an inadvertent whistle. If it's an inadvertent whistle, the play is blown dead. You don't go back and review that. And then in the Iron Bowl, there is no way in today's world of high-definition cameras that anyone can watch that video and, and not see that that ball never touched that player's hand. I mean, there was zero change in the rotation and movement of the ball. Zero. I mean, it wasn't even a glance. And to go back and review it and say, oh, yep, we got it right the first time. It's just mind-blowing to me. And the thing that, that is so frustrating about that is, is when you look at the big business that is college football, and especially SEC football right now, it's got to be better than that. There's got to be more consistency. And even when things are messed up, Just call it from the beginning and say, we messed this one up and here's what we're going to do about it. Instead of going back and reviewing inadvertent whistles and confirming your call that a ball touched a hand that it never touched after review. I mean, that's the whole point of review. So those two were really, really mind-blowing to me and, and very frustrating. I didn't have a dog in the hunt either way, but they were very frustrating calls to watch play out. I've noticed this year, Darren, a number of times where the rules expert that they have with them in the booth. Uh where he comes out and says, oh, this is clear cut. This is, and then the call on the field is totally different, which is very surprising. Yeah. And especially in the Alabama Auburn game, all the guys were like, oh yeah, you could see it didn't touch. And then they came back and confirmed it. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) So what 
on the inadvertent whistle in the old Miss Mississippi State game, could you actually hear the inadvertent whistle? I, I could not hear it on the TV. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, I think that was one of the biggest mess ups of the officials. If they would have never mm-hmm. called the play dead due to an inadvertent, I mean, they made that call. The, the head official came on the microphone and said the play was blown dead by an inadvertent whistle. Once he made that announcement, whether anybody heard it or not, by rule, that play is dead and non-reviewable. So that that was the thing that was mind-blowing to me. Now, I do think Lane Kiffin has a little bit of a bailout of his players because he had mm-hmm. three guys standing and looking at a lateral pass, inadvertent whistle right. or not. He had three guys standing and staring at the ball, and, and that's the coachable moment for them. That should never happen. There, three guys should have been on top of that ball. Right. My first reaction was the refs were trying to get out of a very embarrassing situation, so mm-hmm. they said inadvertent whistle. Let's yeah. do it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was a failure on the officiating, no doubt about it. Yeah, great great point. And unfortunately, we've seen a number of those this season. Exactly that that's the frustrating part. We've seen it more times than to me would be typical during this season. It really seems to stand out more this season. My first takeaway is to do away with divisions. Michigan, which deserves to be in the conference championship game, is playing Purdue. Now, just think about that for a minute. Yep. Purdue, not a rematch with Ohio State, not Penn State. You you think about other people that would be a more exciting game, and they're playing Purdue. Right. Because of the way the divisions are structured. The SEC has the same problem on its hands. Mm -hmm. LSU is playing Georgia. Now, particularly after that loss to A&M, I don't think LSU deserves to be in the conference championship game. Right, right. They are not the second best team in the SEC. I think what we would like to see as fans is Tennessee and Georgia play again. Yeah. I think that's what we would like to see. Yeah. Uh, And we don't get that because of the divisions. So I'm hoping in the future we can do away with the divisions and the two best teams in the conferences are the ones that end up playing in the championship game. And I'm an LSU fan. I, I love LSU, but I think this is a messed up system. Yep. Agree. So that was my first takeaway. I'll go ahead and give you my second takeaway while I'm on a roll, Darren. Absolutely. And that is Jimbo Fisher might be the smartest man in the room. (laughs) Okay. I want you to think about this for a minute. Saturday, they ran the ball down LSU's throat. I mean, I was very impressed with the running game. Wow. They beat LSU and the fans stormed the field. Think about the genius of Jimbo Fisher, who has lowered the standards so low at A&M that the fans rush the field at the conclusion of a five-win season with no bowl game appearance. <laughs> That's a great point. You pointed, you pointed out off camera, Darren, that this got them, what, in a tie for last place in the SEC? Yep, exactly. And they are rushing the field. Yep. Um, they didn't defeat the number one team in the country. They defeated a team that shouldn't be in the playoff to begin with, yep. with those two losses already. Now, I know that's the end thing to do this year. Everyone wants to rush the field, and I, I don't care if you rush the field or not, but I want you to think about that, that people were celebrating a five-win season with the recruiting class that they had, with the amount of money they paid this head coach. Yep. They are celebrating. What's he in his fourth year, fifth year? Uh, yeah, something like that. And he just won five games. 
<laughs> Jimbo Fisher might be the smartest man in the room. How about and, your number two? That's a great, <laughs> and let me just say, that's a great point. A very, very good point. My point actually goes along with what you're saying as far as seeing those wins where a team that going into a game only has four wins and beats you know, a top 25 ranked team. We have seen that a lot. The parity has really shown up this year. I feel like much more than so than in years past. When you just look at AP top 25 teams, week in and week out, there have been 43 games this season that featured a top 25 team versus a non-ranked team and the non-ranked underdog opponent won. 43 games. Uh, That's a little over three and a half games per week. And it really has crept up and, and become even more obvious over the last several weeks. Just in the last three weeks, there have been five, six, and five teams, respectively, that have gone into a game as a ranked team against an unranked underdog and lost. And that's just in the last three weeks. That's 16 teams in the last three weeks. That also doesn't include the amount of teams or the amount of games, rather, where both teams were ranked and the lower ranked team beat the higher ranked team where where it was a ranked underdog, but that underdog still won. Uh, that, That almost doubles the number. But to me, that really does show that some strides have been made for the parity that we all hope for in college football. Uh, Now, going back to the earlier conversation, one of my fears with this, the unrestricted free agency and and blank checks that people can write, will we see that start to go away? I think that has to be a legitimate concern that rather than setting up parameters for it to increase, we're actually setting up parameters for it to shrink. But regardless of what the future looks like for this year, I I think parity has been really, really strong. And we've seen some very exciting games uh, with unlikely conclusions because of it. So that's that's my my second takeaway. Well said. Well said. How about your third? Now, I'm going to try to be brief when it comes to this week's or, or this past week's Vanderbilt, Tennessee game. Both teams have a lot to learn. I'll start with Vanderbilt. Clark Lee, I am a fan. You have five wins this season when the over-under was two and a half wins. I myself said three. If you got three, I would consider it an upgrade. I did not anticipate any conference wins this year. I especially didn't anticipate conference wins uh, against Kentucky and Florida. That being said, if you look at playing this Tennessee team who, who gives up just over, just barely four and a half yards per rush on defense and over six yards per pass on offense that has a further depleted defensive backfield because of injury. And your game plan is we're going to establish the run and run the ball at them. I have an extreme problem with that. (laughs) There is nothing (laughs) about that that makes sense. So there is still a lot to learn on the Vanderbilt side. Tennessee, from your side. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit. As exciting as the performance that Joe Milton turned in was, it was against a Vanderbilt defense that did not do anything to stop him. After watching that game, I'm rather confident 
then I could step out on the field and go 17 for 25 with 283 yards and, and three touchdowns against that Vanderbilt defense. The guy has a strong arm, but he is wide right more than a Florida State kicker in the 90s, okay? So let's not get overly excited about his arm and what it looks like in the future. I don't think he is the answer to what you're looking for next year as a Hendon Hooker replacement. So let's pump the brakes and, and learn from being overly excited about a prospect. Please be realistic about what his arm and his accuracy brings to the table. So that's as brief as I can make it. <laughs> Bonus points for the reference to Florida State <laughs> University field goal or kickers in the 90s. That's a great one. I particularly thought you would enjoy that, truthfully. <laughs> What's your third takeaway? Well, briefly, my third takeaway is some sort of a accountability when it comes to reckless behavior, uh, where you start messing with uh, a man's reputation or Mm -hmm. uh, a locker room. The situation with Lane Kiffin, was he a candidate at Auburn? I think we all know he was a candidate. He he was a candidate at Auburn, and he may have been their number one. But this reporting that he's taken the job and he's out of Ole Miss the day after the Egg Bowl, a reporter naming unnamed sources Right. I think that was reckless. And and Kiffin was right in the press conference when he addressed this. He said, it's one thing when fans talk about things on message boards, mm-hmm. but when a reporter does it, you know, we, we are counting on reporters to be honest and truthful. Now, I know that's yep. not always the case, but there's got to be some sort of consequence to move away from this. Oh, I've got to scoop this, scoop everyone else, get this story right. out there. Even if I don't have all the facts, I'm going to just throw Put out there yep. because when you do that, you start hurting people. Did it cost Ole Miss the game against Mississippi State? I don't know if it did. Mississippi State deserved to win. Was it yep. a distraction? Yes, it most definitely was a distraction. Definitely. Regardless of who the coach is, if you like Kiffin, you don't like Kiffin, this kind of behavior in journalism, we, we need to do better than this in journalism. We need to yes. hold our journalists to higher standards. Great point. Very, very good. Well, let's get into our results from this week's sports pick I can't believe we didn't leave, Aaron. This was like breaking news headline. So yeah. why don't you go and, and tell everybody who the top three are this week? All right. So let's start with the top three for the week. Who won the week outright, got the most games right for this week's games? And that would be a name, if you are a listener to this show, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. That would be Ben Brewster, the outright winner We're, of the, winner of the week. Whoa, where's the drum roll? Oh, come on, man. This is is my one shining moment. We'll do a golf clap. We'll throw that in. (laughs) I want you to do that Griswold drum roll again. That was great. (laughs) There you go. By the way, great reference, Griswold drum wall. That's a beautiful thing. So you outright won the week. Zach came in second and Matt Hollis came in third. So that puts our overall standings at Zach Pape in first. Matt Hollis has jumped into second, leapfrogging me because I went the exact opposite direction. You had a great week and won the week. I, yeah, I just about couldn't have gotten any more wrong. I did not do that well (laughs) this week, but I did manage to hang on to third place. And I will say, we talk about parity in college football. One other point that I will throw out is we are, it is a coming down to this championship week and it is a close competition. It is only like, I think like four points that separate first and sixth place. So it is a very strong competition right down to the edge to see who's going to win our pick competition this year. I love it. I love it. Well, we've got some picks to make for this upcoming week. But before we do so, let's pause 
for this week in sports history. November 29, 1890, the Navy midshipmen and the Army Black Knights meet on the field for the first ever edition of America's Game. Navy won this first meeting by a score of 24 to nothing. Throughout the years, the game has been played at 18 different venues in six states. Currently, the Navy holds the lead, winning 62 of the 122 games played between the two. This year's edition will be played Saturday, December 10th. Oh, thank you. Well, let's jump in for our picks for this week, where Darren and I pick each game. We have 30 seconds to defend our choice of the winner of each game. So let's jump right into it with the MAC Conference Championship game. Great games we love to watch on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the season. Absolutely. The, the stream, that part of the year where there's a football game on every day. Thank you, Mac. We appreciate that. The Toledo Rockets are facing off against the Ohio Bobcats. In 30 seconds, Darren, who you got and why? I think I am going to go with the underdog. It's only by like two and a half points, but still, I'm going to go with the Ohio Bobcats. And for no other reason, honestly, than they come into this game on a seven-game winning streak. I say they continue that winning streak and win the MAC championship. I've got to go with the Ohio Bobcats as well. Uh, I've got family that are fans of the Ohio Bobcats, so let's go with the folks down in Athens, Ohio, winning the MAC. I like it. Let's move over to the Sun Belt Conference, where Coastal Carolina is facing off against Troy. Darren, who wins and why? I am a Coastal Carolina fan. I am a fan of Jamie uh, Chadwell. But, uh, and I am blank on his name and cannot remember the quarterback's name that's played for them for years, who got hurt a couple of weeks ago. Most indications is that he will not be back for this game. I think that gives Troy the upper hand and they will win this game. The Troy Trojans will be the Sun Belt champions. How about you? I like Greek history. I'm going to go with Troy. I like there you it. go. I like it. Let's go to the AAC championship where the 22nd ranked UCF Knights surviving a scare last week against South Florida facing off against what a great story. The Tulane green wave big win over Cincinnati last week. They're going a great game in new Orleans. Darren, we're in Louisiana. Why are we going to this game? It's right down 49. Come on. 49 I 10. We can be there. And what do you say? Who wins and why? You know, I think I'm going to stick with Tulane on this one. The game is in New Orleans. I think there will be a big crowd. That'll be pretty awesome. So I'll do my own little form of history. The UCF Knights will not be able to pull the sword from the stone. They will lose this game. It'll go to Tulane. How's that? (laughs) Wow. That was impressive. Impressive. I'm going with Tulane as well. Um, it's going to be a great celebration in New Orleans, as if New Orleans needs another reason to celebrate. But a great <laughs> exactly. season for Tulane continues. Yes, yes. Let's move over to the Mountain West Conference Championship game, uh, where the Fresno State Bulldogs are facing off against the Boise State Broncos. Who you got, Darren? 
Boise State is favored, uh, favored by like six and a half. And, and really, honestly, the only thing I have in this one is Fresno likes to play the role of spoiler, and they always have. I think they'll do it in this game. They come in the underdogs. They cherish that role. They Historically, the Fresno State Bulldogs will pull the upset and beat Boise State uh, on their blue turf. Oh, the blue turf you yes. mentioned. Ugh. Well, I'm going with Boise State because their mascots, the Broncos, the Bronco produced by Ford is one of the classic American automobiles. So I'm going with Boise State because of their mascot and because of their blue field and Fresno State. Come on, man. Yeah, that's Boise State wins. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go over to the ACC championship game. Oh, wait, wait, just a second. Ben, wake up, Ben. <laughs> we're we're going to watch <laughs> Clemson that lost to South Carolina last week, playing against North Carolina, which lost to North Carolina State. Both schools are going into their championship game coming off of losses. Yep. <laughs> All right, Darren, <laughs> pick one. Well, as excited I as I am now, uh, actually, I, I – <laughs> I think this could end up being a fun game to watch just strictly because of the offense. And I think North Carolina has better quarterback play and can survive in a shootout better than Clemson does or can. I think this is going to be a shootout. I think North Carolina pulls the upset. It's going to be massive. Like 17 points is is what their their favorite Clemson's favored by, but they're going to pull off the upset. North Carolina wins. Ooh, with two tenths of a second left. Yes. <laughs> We're going to need to put the previous play under review. We're going to slow it down to the millisecond. The the ball did not touch my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think you make a great point. If if it is a shootout, that goes to North Carolina's favor. Um, I think North Carolina, though, has disappointed in big moments throughout this year. Mm-hmm. And so I think Dabo is going to have Clemson ready. It, that was a tough loss to South Carolina last week. I, I'm going to go with the, the Clemson Tigers. So let's go over to the Big Ten championship game, which we've already mentioned in this show. And it's Purdue mm-hmm. out of the, I guess that's their West. Uh, oh. They're I don't West, know how they they're do their South, division. they're champions. They're so, it's been named something different, I think, every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going up against Michigan, coming off a very impressive win against Ohio State. Yeah. Darren, do I need to hit the timer? Well, you know, when you look at Jeff Brom and the Purdue Boilermakers, and, who are we kidding? Yeah, Michigan wins. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I think Purdue has some skilled players, but... Th- what happens in these games up front, Michigan yep. is just overpowering on Absolutely. both sides of the line up front. Absolutely. Uh, Wolverines uh, come out with a win. Yep. So here's an intriguing matchup over in the Big 12. I'm really looking forward to this game, Darren. Yes, definitely. It's Kansas State against TCU. TCU needs to win to stay in the top four teams. Yep. Kansas State looking to upset. Darren, who wins and why? I am terrified that this is TCU's letdown moment. I'm for them as a school. They have so much riding on this that really, really scares me. But I think TCU's offense can stand strong even against the great defense that Kansas State has showed at times this uh, uh, this season. 
Uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch, but ultimately TCU hangs on and wins the championship and completes their undefeated season. Very interesting prediction, Darren. If I remember correctly, in our first episode for the college preview for this season, you talked about Kansas State being a dark horse to win the Big 12. I did. I did. And (laughs) here they are on the verge. I like this Kansas State team. I think they pull out an incredible upset in a very, very tight game. Kansas State wins. Nice. Can't argue with that one. And that takes us to the SEC. Yes. And y'all, y'all know how we feel about the SEC. Yeah. Most dominant conference in the country. We, we all know that. Yep. This matchup's a little intriguing. We've already talked about it. Uh, LSU against the the number one ranked top seeded Georgia Bulldogs. Darren, who wins and why? I, man, it, it's going to be Georgia. There are mo- there are parts of me that think the unpredictable play at times of LSU might rear its head again uh, to the positive, and they come out of nowhere. But Georgia is just so strong. It, it, as great of a story as it be, is if LSU won for LSU, I think Georgia wins and completes again their undefeated season. How about you? Mm, nice. I would love to see LSU win this game, but I'm a little conflicted because if LSU happens to pull off an upset, they will be the first SEC champion to not be a college playoff yes. team. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not sure that's a great designation. I hope it's a good game, but at the end of the day, I think Georgia is laser focused. I, I think they come out and they mm-hmm. win they win this game and move on undefeated and top seeded in the playoffs. You know, since it is the SEC championship, just, just a couple of things to me, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. The thing that's the scariest to me is Georgia's defense and how uh, Jaden Daniels responds to that. Uh, I, to me, after the way the game went this past week, that's just to me. That's one of the scariest parts of this. I think they could really, really shut down this LSU offense, as as unpredictable as they've been at times this this season. To me, that's that's the one of the most defining factors of this game that that points toward a, a, a Georgia win. What what do you think? Do you think he can handle the defense, or do you think it will really catch him off guard? Jaden Daniels has some really impressive stats. Mm-hmm. I think in the A and M game. He panicked yep. and he went back to old habits, uh, Happy running, feet. not yep. not allowing his receivers time to run their routes. LSU is stacked when it comes to wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys can make plays. Um, and I think Daniels panicked, got back to some old habits, and that was against an A&M defense that, granted, exactly. played, played well. But Georgia is a whole nother level. Yep. Now, if somehow Brian Kelly can tap into Jaden Daniels' psyche where, hey, man, there is no pressure in the world. Nobody expects us to win. Nobody expects us to do anything. Don't worry about don't worry about interceptions. Don't worry about mistakes. You just go out and play ball and mm-hmm. gets him as loose as could be. The, the kid's got talent, no question yep, about it. Definitely. So I, I think that he could show up and make a game out of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, Georgia wins. Yeah. Agree. So let's go into, oh, this takes us into four down territory. Four down territory. You're in four down territory. (laughs) 
Darren, who is your sure thing pick of the week? Uh, to me, when I look at all of the games, especially like the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, to me, the most obvious sure thing pick is is Michigan over Purdue. So that's that's who I'm going with. I'm going to stick with Michigan as my sure thing. How about you, Ben? Over LSU. Okay. Breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, my, my heart was already broken Saturday night. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> How about your upset pick? Uh, you know, I, I think stepping out on a limb and calling North Carolina to beat Clemson, like I said, I think it's like a 17 and a half point spread. I, I'm going to have to stick with that as my upset. I'm, I'm going North Carolina. All right. I've got Kansas State upsetting TCU. Man, that's going to be, to me, that could be the best of all the championship games. That's, I think that's going to be an exciting game. Yeah. How about your brown bag pick? You know, I hate to be redundant, and so I won't I won't spend as much time on it as I did the first time. But but the two calls that I talked about in talking about SEC officiating were just so egregious. That's one of my favorite words, egregious. Uh, nice. That that has to be my uh, brown bag pick as SEC officiating this past week. How about you? I'm going with the Pac-12 championship game. Not because of the matchup. I, I actually think it's a very good matchup. Mm-hmm. But because whether it was the Pac-12 or whether it was TV or a combination of both, it goes back to my principle. You don't play college football games on Friday nights. Not till the high school football season is over. It's over. Yep. Give these kids their due. You, you're not in competition with high school football. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't like the fact that such a great matchup. To me, this is primetime Saturday night matchup. Yeah, agree. I don't know why whoever made that decision, but but whoever did, you are my brown bag. And I will not be watching the Pac-12 championship. That's right. Very good. That's a great one. So that takes us to the post-game quote of the week. Darren, what, what do you got for us? There's there's just no doubt. As soon as you, you hear the press conference and the comments that were made, there's only one choice. And it is surprising with the Egg Bowl being this week that that choice is not out of the, out of the state of Mississippi, and it is not. But there was only one choice, uh, and that is Nick Saban in his post-game conference, press conference, and the first 30 seconds of his post-game press conference after the Iron Bowl. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards, but let's listen to what Nick Saban had to say. Before you laugh, you ought to see the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I took one of the hardest hits of an in-power game, and unlike some of our players who had to go to the medical tent, <laughs> Like I always say, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> that is brilliant. Gold. Gold from Nick Saban. I yes. love the sense of humor that he has in addressing that situation. And he, he doesn't get enough enough credit for his sense of humor. No, no, he really doesn't. And, and, you know, the thing I liked about it is he could have stopped at that one line and it would have been funny. But then to continue on and say, you know, I didn't even have to go to the medical tent. They just don't make them like they used to. That was fantastic to me. That was very, very well done on Nick Saban's part. Yes. Kudos, kudos, kudos. And a great pick for the quote of the week, Darren. Great job. Thanks. So, Let's wrap the show up uh, by letting everybody know that once again, we have a bowl pick this year. Darren, give us some more information about that. So we've used CBS Sports as our, our week-to-week pick this year because we could we could hone it down to the SEC and the Big 12, which we talked about the most. Uh, but we're going to go back to ESPN 
for the bowl pick'em, and we will be putting that link out uh, immediately. It, obviously, it won't start until after Selection Sunday, but we will put that that link out uh, for the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, uh, ESPN. I think it's called like Capital One Bowl Mania Pick'em or whatever. We will it will be in the show notes for this week, and it will also be on our link tree. And all you have to do is click on it and go to it. It'll bring our group straight up and join it. And and as we did last year when we used ESPN, you know, be creative with your. Uh, we had some great usernames last year. You know, uh, Paper Anchors and uh, I think uh, Bigfoot Search Crew. You know, we we had some fun. We had some fun names. <laughs> So, so be creative with those names. That's part of the fun. But that that link will be out immediately. And then, of course, we'll be putting it out uh, frequently on uh, social media to get many, as many people to join in with us as possible. But it will be on this week's show notes and the link tree going forward. So we're excited about having that again this year. Love it. I'm excited for that to begin. Yep. Now, our pet pick'em games of the week are officially over. That's something we only do in the regular season, but we're doing something special when it comes to our pet pick'em. Darren, tell us about it. Well, since it's championship week, what we're going to do is we're going to have a championship pet pick'em. And what we're going, to, uh, how we're going to do that is we're not going to ask people to send in uh, a picture. We're going to take the pictures that we've already had sent in. We've had several. I think we ended up with eight or nine dogs and. Well, actually, several dog pictures. One of them had multiple dogs and at least one cat. Uh, so we're going to we'll put it out on our social media and we will put it out here pretty quickly and run it through the rest of the week. And you can just comment or um, uh, you know retweet, however you want to do that, and just name. And we'll just put a number on each one of the pictures. Each one of the pictures will have a number associated with it, and you can say that your pick is number one, number five, number nine, whatever it is. And then uh, I guess on next week's show, we'll announce who is our champion pet pick'em picture. Well, that's a lot of P's in there. Our champion pet pick'em picture. Uh, we'll announce that next week after that runs through social media throughout the process of this week. <laughs> what a great idea. Great. We've had some great pets oh, this, yes, we this year. Have. Yes, yes, yes. So I can't wait to see who wins the pet pick'em pick of the year. Yes. We also have a new recipe because we've still got football to play. We've got championship games. The bowl season's coming up. So, Darren, what, what do we have this week for the recipe? So last week we did a rivalry week recipe, and this week we're going to do a championship week recipe. And actually, if you remember, at the end of the year season last year, our last football season, we did an entire championship national championship game menu. And in honor of LSU being in the SEC championship, we are going to take one of those recipes uh, and feature it again from last year's national championship menu, and that is the. Family mac and cheese (laughs) (laughs) in honor of Brian Kelly being in his first national championship. And it is not just a mac and cheese. It is a smoked mac and cheese. It is an amazing recipe. And we will put that out individually, not as a part of that menu, but individually as a recipe uh, starting this week. Uh, and, And you, again... Go to our blog and our tailgate recipe section. There are so many incredible recipes that JT Jazzy Chef uh, has has provided us, and and you'll love seeing this mac and cheese recipe. We'll put that out uh, this week, so be on the lookout for that. Since it's an honor of LSU being an SEC championship, can we tweak the name of the recipe a little bit? Can we say family stop the run mac and cheese? <laughs> I think we should. I think that's a great idea. 
<laughs> well, that's a wrap for another. Thank you all for listening so much and uh, yes. continuing on this journey with us. Yes. Be sure to get your pickums in for this week. Uh, look for the uh, the vote the voting for the the pet pickum pick of the week yes. of the at the recipe that is posted. Great, great stuff. We'll be back with you next Tuesday. Remember, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You can listen at any time on whatever podcast platform you prefer. But we appreciate you listening. Thank you for your support. And until next Tuesday, y'all take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or text to our text line, 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.